Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with Eric Hammerling, who's the Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Eric, welcome. How are you? I am doing great, Pete. It's great to see you. Well, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, my friend. What's new? Oh, boy. Uh, where, to, where to start? So, uh, as you know, at the Connecticut Forest and Park Association, there are things going on all year round. Right. This is the time of year in the fall that a lot of people are getting outdoors because of the foliage. Mm -hmm. But for me, personally, this is my favorite time of year to go for a hike. Absolutely. Um, you know, the reason for me is... Uh, you don't have lots of bugs this right. time of year. Absolutely. You have obviously the beautiful foliage, but even after the leaves fall off the trees, okay. then you get the incredible views that you weren't able to see when the leaves were on the trees. No, so, no, no, absolutely not. Um, so th it is um, a wonderful time to get outdoors, and we're continuing to try to encourage people to, to do that. Absolutely. Now, how long have you been with CFPA? I've been the executive director since uh, May of 2008. Okay. So 13 years. Wow and uh, just love the organization. I mean, I, I consider it a privilege to be uh, the leader of uh, the state's oldest nonprofit conservation organization, mm -hmm. uh, now 126 years old. Oh, wow. And uh, I find it just amazing that CFPA came into um, existence in 1895, before there were state parks, before there were state forests, uh, before there was a Yale School of Forestry. Right. You know, many of the things that we take for granted these days, now that we have 110 state parks and 34 state forests and all these wildlife management areas, those didn't exist no. uh, back in 1895. And that's one of the things that our organization set out to do is to really make sure there are these uh, beautiful open areas for the public to enjoy, mm -hmm. get to learn about forests. And then uh, the in the 1920s, actually, the organization said, you know what, um, the best way that people can see the outdoors is on trails. So that's where the Blue Blaze hiking trail system yeah. uh, kind of took off. And now it's almost 900 miles of trails. Okay. Uh, all around Connecticut, maintained by volunteers. And so for me, it's a real honor to be a part of all that great work that's going on. Now tell us a little bit about the Blue Blaze hiking trails and where exactly they start, where they finish, and all that good stuff. Well, the Blue Blaze hiking trails, um, you know, it's, it's about 900 miles of trails that go through 96 different towns in the state, so they're okay. all wow. over the place. Okay. And there are lots of different uh, ways that people can uh, find out where the trails are. You know, we, we do, and since the actually the 1930s, we've uh, sold something called the Connecticut Walkbook that mm -hmm. uh, you may have a copy of uh, at home. And it's a great resource for people who want to see maps of where to go. Okay. We also offer on our website, which is ctwoodlands.org, right. um, an interactive trails map. So people can go there and see where all of the different trailheads are for all of the Blue Blazed hiking trails. So okay. we're doing everything we can to try to make sure that it's as easy as possible for people to find the trails, uh, get to them. Uh, you can actually go to use that map on, on your phone mm -hmm. and you can get driving directions to a trailhead. Um, it's a really wonderful uh, resource and it even has a feature that will keep you from getting lost because really? you can if you have your GPS on you can have that map open and you can see yourself on it uh, a little red dot walking around um, 
and that'll help to keep you on the trails. You know, of course, you follow the blazes on the trees, right? Um, and that's why they're called the blue blazed hiking trails, oh, by okay. the way, because they have a blue blaze, a painted blaze uh, on the trees that people can follow and not get lost. Oh, nice. Um, but to get people to those places is what we're all about. And we have amazing volunteers and a few staff who, uh, what they do is they help to keep those places open and well-maintained and safe for the public to use. Is that what Claire Kane would do from the CFPA? Indeed. Uh, there you go. So you you know Claire very well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, she's our trails director and basically oversees all of the work that we do on trails. Um, and another element that she also works on is, you know, one of the trails uh, that we're responsible for is mm -hmm. now called the New England Trail, which okay. um, folks in uh, Connecticut who, who aren't used to hearing about the New England Trail may just know about the, the Mattabesit or the Metacomet yeah. um, or the Minunkatuck uh, Trail that goes through Guilford. Mm -hmm. Those are all parts of uh, a national scenic trail um, called the New England National Scenic Trail. It's one of only 11 national scenic trails in the United States. Okay. So we have running right through the center of Connecticut and Connecticut River Valley, all the way from Guilford uh, up to the New Hampshire border, a national scenic trail uh, that we're responsible for. And it's a partnership with the National Park Service and the Appalachian Mountain Club. And it's another incredible resource um, to get people out to. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, t now let's talk a little bit about how the CFPA has been doing during the pandemic. So uh, we talked about 2020 and of course a good amount of 2021 as well as being um, our, our lemonade days. Right. Right, we were taking the lemons that were handed to us and trying to make as much lemonade as we possibly could, and mm -hmm. it was a challenge, uh, especially for you know any sort of in-person events. And the the biggest event that we're best known for, as you know, is Connecticut Trails Day. That's which, right, which is always held the first weekend in June. Right. Um, what one of the things that we had to do in 2020 is to make Connecticut Trails Day a um, uh, a do-it-yourself event, essentially. Okay. We, we said, here are all these different places you can go, right. but we're not able to lead uh, organized events as a group because there are still a lot of concerns about uh, COVID. Right. So um, we identified places for people to go. In 2021, though, uh, we turned the corner a bit, and this year we had over 150 events that took place all around the state during okay. that first weekend in June. Sure. And we are um, excited about what this next year holds. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it will be you know some semblance of a return to normal right. uh, in 2022, and we just can't wait for that to happen. Now let's talk about as far as the way that the parks handled the pandemic. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, one of the things that might be a surprise to some, but if you think about it, it, it does make sense. Right. The state parks got more visitors during the pandemic than they've ever received before. Okay. And it was pretty interesting to, to watch when people said, you know what, I am not able to go to, let's say, a movie or a, a show. Right. Um, what, what do we do? Right. Um, and people went to state parks. And, Absolutely. You know, they found in uh, 2020, the state parks had about a 20% increase right. in visitation. And that was about 12 million people mm -hmm. who just uh, in that year went out to state parks. And interestingly enough, 
that uh, kind of high visibility and attendance at state parks has continued. Um, this year, uh, it is actually 13 million plus uh, uh -huh. people attended state parks. Um, and they're finding that, you know, not only is it a place that you can go and something to do, and it's, they're fun and beautiful and if, you know, nice place like get the Hammond Acid or Rocky Neck to Absolutely. go for a tan a day at the beach, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But also it's a healthy thing that people can do uh, for uh, recreation, uh, you know, physical uh, kind of benefits, and also for public health benefits. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you feel like, um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety in the world, one of the best ways to break that down mm -hmm. is Go for a walk, Absolutely. go to a beautiful place, rest your mind, uh, get to a place of relaxation, and that just makes a huge difference in people's lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure during especially this time of what's going on, the people at the, the especially the staff members at the park, at the parks are very far and few between as far as workers and people who are actually maintaining and the upkeep of the parks. Indeed, so so we have a, a, unfortunately a growing disconnect in Connecticut okay. between um, the people who are getting out to the parks in great numbers, but the resources that the state is able to put towards taking care of our parks mm -hmm. has been flat or even diminishing in mm -hmm. some instances. And one of the things that we're very concerned about is in this next year, having enough uh, frontline, now we're talking not just, um, you know, the seasonal workers who, right. you know, between let's say April and October are tending to parks and keeping them uh, open. But there's also, you know, a, lead, a need for maintainers year round right. uh, to take care of the parks and have, you know, make sure that they are safe and available for the public. Um, we've found that uh, right now there are only uh, um, uh, about 76 uh, staff uh -huh. uh, who, uh, within the deep parks division who mm -hmm. are responsible for 110 state parks. Right. It is not um, working well, <laughs> okay. especially because uh, in this next year we expect a lot of uh, state employees to retire. Right. Uh, they've done some analysis of... Uh, people who work to maintain and keep state parks safe, and they found that 30 to 35 percent, uh, and this is, you know, a lot of people, uh, especially when you have a really diminished number already mm -hmm. of people caring for parks, sure. a lot of people are going to retire. Right. Because in 2022, uh, starting on July 1st, the retirement benefits for state employees change. Right. Uh, after July 1st, uh, state employees who retire will not receive cost of living adjustments right. uh, the way that they do right now. Absolutely. They won't receive full health care benefits the way they do right now. Mm -hmm. uh, people will have to uh, contribute. And there are other, um, other things that will be lost starting July 1st. Okay. Of course, the state did this not to create a crisis mm -hmm. uh, of retirements but because of financial reasons and you know can understand some of those right but this next year because we expect to lose so many park staff we are really concerned because um, it takes you know on average let's say about six months to refill a position okay and think about all of the people uh, who tend to parks who are going to be leaving before july 1st mm -hmm. 
And keep in mind that the height of the park season is the July 4th weekend. Absolutely. <laughs> you are going to be losing a lot of people and not have those positions refilled right. during the heart of the season next year when people are getting out to parks at huge numbers. And that's going to create a strain that we think is going to be, um, unfortunately, we think it's going to be at the level of unsafe. Right. Uh, and, you know, we, we, of course, would never tell people don't go to parks. Right. But if people are going to parks uh, to, you know, create mischief or anything like that, right. there's going to be less of an opportunity for people to respond uh, and take care of problems. Absolutely. So absolutely. And anyway, this next year is going to be a super challenge for uh, one of our state's greatest resources. Now, as far as when the parks quiet down after Labor Day weekend, mm -hmm. from Labor Day until into the winter, into the spring, until they reopen again. What type of maintenance do people do during the off season? Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that can be done in the off season. First of all, you know, we would argue that the state parks are supposed to be open year round for mm -hmm. people who want to use them during the winter. There's a lot of activities uh, that can be done during the winter time in state parks, right? Cross country skiing, uh, you know, snowshoeing, even going for walks during the winter is really lovely. Uh, but if no one is there to take care of those places, you worry that damage is going to be created um, and that's going to be a, a problem. Right. There's also a lot of planning that happens or tending to the things that aren't able to be tended to during the height of the season. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, think about all of the buildings and structures that are associated with the state park, right? You have at Hammond Asset, think about all of the bathhouses and right. uh, all of the, those uh, facilities. Th when people are using them uh, every day, it's really difficult to uh, get projects done to upgrade those facilities. And that is what's typically done in the off season uh, to take, take care of those places so that next year they'll be ready to go. Um, if they don't have the people to do it, if things take too long to get addressed, again, that creates a huge stress on the ability of uh, parks to be safe for the next year. And as far as the everything goes, once the, how do we think the outlook on the 2022 season of everything is gonna look? I really think it's going to be a challenge across the state park system okay. uh, to make sure that uh, places are well cared for. Um, you know, they they have they're expecting you know a, a lot of people to mm -hmm. be coming out to the uh, state parks. Fortunately, there is some support for the state parks through a program that uh, CFPA. Uh, and others advocated really strongly for, and that's the Passport to the Parks program. Yeah, let's talk about that. So the Passport to the Parks is something that, you know, we all contribute to in, in Connecticut. When we register our, our vehicles, you know, we pay a $5 per year fee, which goes to taking care of parks. Right. And in return for that $5 a year fee, um, and you may have noticed this, you go to a state park now and they don't stop you at the gate and say, you know, please pay $13 right. uh, or, or even more uh, if you're talking a weekend on a, a shoreline park. Mm -hmm. Now there's no fee at the gate uh, wow. because we've already contributed to the state parks. So think about that, you know, $5 a year 
for uh, having free access to all of our state parks is pretty phenomenal. And that so, generates, that $5 uh, a year, uh, generates about $20 million to help uh, fund the state parks and keep them together. It doesn't absolutely. take care of everything. There are additional costs, but it takes care of, uh, uh, you know, let's say 75% of their mm -hmm. costs. So they are, uh, they have some base support that is uh, strong and, you know, we think will will be uh, wonderful to help sustain the parks. However, um, you have to have people uh, right. to take care of parks. So, you know, they may have some funding to do things, but if they don't have the people, it will be difficult, especially in, in 2022. Absolutely. Now, as far as you guys actually work pretty, pretty well with the DEEP and the DEEP commissioner, Katie Dykes. Oh, indeed. I know she's a friend of uh, your show. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I have very high regard for uh, Commissioner Dykes. Absolutely. I think that she um, did some fantastic work. You know, we're talking about 2020 and some mm -hmm. of the challenges. Uh, she did some fantastic work during that year on the Governor's Council on Climate Change right. um, to really make some, I think, terrific recommendations on things that we should think about as our state, both to uh, try to uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions and uh, respond when we have, uh, you know, additional storms and some of the challenges that uh, climate change uh, brings us. So I think she's done some terrific work there. I think we we and, and the commissioner know that it can't just stop with uh, some recommendations that were made. There's some actual changes and uh, work that needs to be done. So that's something that we're going to continue uh, advocating for and working on. One thing, Pete, that you know I've, I've spent some time uh, on as part of that effort and to try to bring it forward right. is uh, to try to address, address issues associated with our forests. Right. Uh, in Connecticut, we have some um, amazing forest resources, mm -hmm. uh, both you know in, in uh, state forests, but also in uh, there's a, a, about 71 percent of the forest land in Connecticut is privately owned. Okay. And if we want to try to make sure that our forests are healthy in the future, we have to be working very closely with private landowners to make sure that they have the tools they need mm -hmm. uh, and incentives they need uh, to ensure that forests are well cared for. Um, and there are some things that can be done uh, in, in the law that I think will help to support private landowners okay. and, and how they uh, manage and uh, sustain their forests. And that's something that we're working on right now. I have Karen Rilling from the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Would you mind sticking around for another segment? Oh, I'd be happy to. We'll be right back. People ask me, is it hard to figure out if I should get tested for coronavirus? Well, as a professor, I love giving a pop quiz. Are you experiencing fever, chills, cough, shortness of breath, fatigue, or body ache? Well, then coronavirus testing is available without a referral, and it's the best way to protect yourself and your family. You know, it actually reminds me of Plato who once said, the price good men pay. Okay, I deserve that. What rhymes with great? Participate. Where does greatness start? Here, in the classroom. On the stage. In the pool. On the field. Where will your greatness take you? To better grades. To more friends. Yeah! Be great. Participate! <laughs> 
Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. Sitting here with Eric Hammerling, who's the executive director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Eric, welcome back. Thank you. Thank Glad you, my friend. Good to see you. So, Eric, we were talking a little bit about the, in the first segment, about exactly what the Connecticut, Connecticut and Forest Park Association does. But what people don't know is you guys are actually a nonprofit organization. So maybe we can talk, start talking about that in the opening of the segment. Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Okay. Uh, would you like me to just uh, sure. jump right in? Yeah, so, go for it. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, CFPA, as you said, is is a nonprofit uh, conservation organization. Yeah. And, I, and I had mentioned earlier that we're the, you know, the first nonprofit conservation organization in the state and, you know, the oldest. Uh, and we work on a lot of different things that um, are opportunities for people to get involved with as volunteers, or we also have you know, a number of people who are members to help support our organization. But when I talk about CFPA, there are basically you know, four major activities that we do that uh, okay. I think people get to um, connect to. Uh, and, and we, as we talk about them, you know, tend to use a, a nice acronym uh, that's very much an outdoorsy acronym mm -hmm. uh, that we use as ACRE. Uh, so ACRE, the A in ACRE is advocacy. Okay. So we, we have uh, a lot of issues every year in Connecticut that need to be addressed at the state legislature. And we are involved with advocacy on issues related to forests, parks, trails, outdoor recreation. Right. Uh, the C is for conservation. Um, and we're actually a statewide land trust. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of communities have a land trust, uh, but we actually are a statewide land trust. We have uh, about 2,000 acres of land that we um, either own or hold easements on and are responsible for monitoring and caring for into the future. Sure. So that's something that works uh, great for us. Uh, the R is recreation, and of course I talked about the Blue Blazed Hiking Trails right. and Connecticut Trails Day and all of the efforts to try to get, out, get people outdoors. And then the E in Acre is education, and right. we do a lot of programs with, uh, you know, uh, middle, middle school uh, kids, teachers, uh, getting families outdoors, and making sure there are resources for, um, you know, landowners who want to do some good things for wildlife, for forest. Um, and so we're, we're always providing information that uh, we hope people will use for good conservation purposes. So th that's kind of what we work on. Okay. And then of course there are great opportunities for folks to volunteer. We, we have uh, one volunteer who's helped us with communications issues. Uh, trying to remember his name. I think it's uh, Pete. Uh, no, never heard uh, of him. So uh, never any, anyway, heard I really appreciate you uh, <laughs> being a, a volunteer and supporter of, of our organization. Oh, it yeah. It takes, Not... takes a village to do lots of good stuff. And... Okay. Eric, would you mind sticking around for another segment? Sure. All yeah, right, we'll happy right to. What was... <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap to air after the next uh, after after this race. Okay. Because that was originally planned from the '60s. Yep. So okay. Two. And then we do one last question. That'll be that'll be wrap. Okay. Yeah, you're like 45 seconds. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you threw me off. <laughs> yeah, well, we can probably just do. Um, Is this gonna be a half hour? Yeah, it'll end up being. We're gonna cut it down. Okay. But, um, like, oh, oh, where we can find you. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, where we can find you, and I, I actually want to ask your question oh, that yeah, you sent. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. 
And welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. Sitting here with Eric Hammerling from the CFP area. Welcome back. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Sir, I was wondering if you can maybe tell us where we can find you and how people can get more information on CFPA. Sure. Well, the best way is to go to our website, which okay. is ctwoodlands.org. All right. We also have a Facebook page and Instagram and all sorts of social media uh, outlets. But our website's the best place to go. And um, someone sends me an email. I try to respond to every email I get. So. Right. Um, I would encourage people to reach out. Now, Eric, tell me this. What are some ways you can promote going to state parks with your fr with your family and friends? Yeah, well, you know, I, I would say, first of all, be aware of uh, all of the amazing resources that are, that are out there and don't get stuck in uh, just going to the same place all the time. No. It, it would be easy to do, you know, to just uh, choose something that's nearby, but I would encourage people to explore. Um, there is uh, a lot of information about the state parks on the uh, Department of Energy and Environmental Protection mm -hmm. website. Right. They have a map showing all the different parks. Uh, each park has its own interesting story, like a park, uh, like at Rocky Neck um, State Park, for example, right. is one that uh, you know CFPA's board back in the day. Um, right. Uh, actually put up money to protect uh, and uh, and then donated it to the state to become a state park and similar things were done at Gillette Castle and People State Forest and other places like that but each one has a very interesting story that helps to enrich the experience and I'd say um, you know the parks are very family friendly so if people are looking for places to go uh, that's a great place to start. Absolutely. Eric Hammerling from the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again soon. Sounds great. Pete. Thanks, Eric. On behalf of Eric Hammerling, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.